Live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for the Exit Exchange. Brought to you by XPX Atlanta. Dedicated to changing the trajectory of exit planning services in the Southeast. Now, here's your host. And hello again, everyone. I'm John Ray with Business Radio X and also here on the Exit Exchange hosting the show along with Maria Forbes and Bob Tanksley. Maria, Bob, welcome. Good morning. Hey, John. Thanks for doing this again. Hey, absolutely. Great to uh, see both of you again and have you back on the show. And uh, we've got a, two great guests I want to get to in just a second, but I want to remind all everyone, our listeners uh, certainly, that this show is brought to you by the Exit Planning Exchange Atlanta chapter. Uh, this chapter is located right in the center of the Southeast. And because of that is ideally positioned to serve a, an extremely high concentration of family and privately held businesses. The board membership and sponsors are comprised of a high quality network of advisors and services providers that are focused upon collaboration and placing the client's interest at the center of everything they do. If you'd like to know more, go to xpxatlanta.org. And now I want to welcome two great guests, uh, two friends of uh, the Exit Planning Exchange, Eric Tugneri with Neri Neri Capital Partners, easy for me to say, and Robert Marston, uh, or Rob, better known, and he is with RICO Advisors. Eric, Rob, welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. Eric, let's start with you. Why don't you give everyone an introduction to how you're serving folks at Neri Capital Partners? Sure. Uh, Neri Capital Partners is a boutique uh, investment banking firm. We really have uh, three tenets to our service offering, our unique value proposition, um, and those are determining, building, and realizing the value that's been created by privately held business owners. Um, and just to elaborate uh, really quick on each of those three areas, determining um, is the term that we use uh, for describing business valuation. Uh, building uh, is, is sort of a longer term uh, proposition, a consulting arrangement with business owners to help them improve the value of their companies. And then realizing is an actual exit event. And so those, those are the three services that we have at Neri Capital Partners. Uh, we are a father-son founded firm. Uh, we have eight folks strong, uh, including um, uh, my dad and I. And um, we've been in business now uh, going on our 17th year. Terrific, Eric. Thank you so much. Rob, tell us a little bit about you and Ryco Advisors. Sure, thank you. So, before we founded Ryco Advisors, where we actually, it's my wife and I were business partners. Uh, we worked in finance in New York. Uh, she did investment banking and private equity, and I worked in middle market restructuring. So I worked on very large distressed companies. We moved to Atlanta. We purchased a, an existing business. Over four years, we doubled the size of that business and had a really good exit. And then we formed Ryco Advisors to fill the need. Uh, there's a lot of owner-operated businesses that are, uh, call it five to fifty million in revenue, 
and they business owners don't know how to market value and sell those businesses. So we formed Ryco to help with that need. Uh, we only do a few transactions a year and try and maximize value for our clients. Hey, good deal, guys. Uh, Rob, Eric, thanks for uh, your time this morning, and thanks for all that you do for uh, XPX Atlanta, our chapter here. As we often like to do on these shows, um, we like to start with uh, kind of a high-level, big picture, you know, drill down a little further, and then drill down into into some more details. So, uh, sticking with that uh, that format, what are you guys seeing? in the world of M&A, uh, particularly here in the lower mid-market. I know we're, you know, we've kind of flushed out the COVID backlog, so to speak, all those deals that were pent up, uh, maybe got delayed uh, or maybe uh, died during COVID and then got uh, resurrected in the months that followed. So we're kind of past all that, but uh, wh- where are we now here at, toward the middle of, of 2022? Well, to give it some perspective, I mean, I go back to um, our founding year and um, I came out of corporate America and, and got into this business um, really as a, as a completely transactional firm. So uh, we did little in the way of business valuation and little in the way of value building back in those days, um, but we were doing a whole lot of transactions. Um, and uh, then... Uh, the recession hit in 2008 and um, it really weeded out our industry. Um, you know, there, there weren't a lot of folks that were able to weather um, the length of that particular downturn. Um, but what it did for us, uh, it, it really resulted in um, rethinking the company, um, rethinking the utility that we offered to business owners. Um, and cause we found out really quick, uh, you know, that uh, business owners really had no use for us if they weren't selling um, their business the way we were structured back then. Um, and so we came out on the other side of it. And, and really, since I call it mid-year 2010 to present, um, it's been a steady climb upward with the exception of the COVID. I call it a pause because we really didn't lose any deals during that time. They just got put on hold for about six months. Um but every year seems to get a little bit stronger in, in, um, in, in the business. And I think it's really driven by a number of things. Um, everybody has talked about for years the, um, the dry powder that's out there. I mean, lots of cash to buy these businesses um, is available. And so there's, there's that dynamic. But there's also, I call it the experience on procrastination has come for the, bus- for the baby boomer business owners. Um, you know, whereas in 2008, if they were thinking about selling, they could put it off. Um, they're now in their seventies and, um, and, uh, they don't really have much of a choice any longer. If, if, if indeed their choice is to have to sell to a third party, they've, they've got to make that move. Um, so it's been extremely robust. Um, you know, our firm has been able to ride this wave very successfully. And, um, you know, it's an exciting industry to be in when um, when there's consistent year in and year out growth. But I think really the main thing, um, you know, as I look historically back at our company, that 2008 to 2010 period was just critical because it caused us to redefine the organization. You mentioned boomers, and I've, I've heard it said that boomers own uh 
collectively about three out of four businesses in the lower mid-market. Just a startling statistic. And they've got to get out, right? If they've got something to transfer, they got to get out uh, eventually to transfer that value. And what uh, what we've heard COVID did was really uh, accelerate timeframes. Rob, what are you um, what are you seeing from your vantage point? Uh, similar to what Eric said, I, I would say that uh, certain businesses were impacted through COVID, hurt their financials. People are getting their run rates back and and even growing at this point. And those business owners who are boomers or an owner operated first second generation business where the owner's in his fifties or late sixties. Uh, now that their financials have stabilized, they're like, I want to exit. I don't want to go through this again. Um, there's a huge uh, amount of dry powder, as Eric had mentioned as well. All these private equity groups are going down market and they're chasing valuations higher and it's a seller's market. Uh, so we're, we're having a lot more conversations, a lot more exploratory calls than we even had the prior year. Uh, and there, there's a lot of high quality businesses out there. How often are you guys uh, picking up a, a new client? You start talking with them and it turns out uh, they're getting unsolicited offers. Uh, from PE, from competitors, maybe even publicly traded companies. How is that? Is that conversation uh, happening with more frequency these days? Absolutely. We're we're selling a foam fabricator right now that does about ten million in revenue, and every other day, I'm getting emails forwarded from my clients saying, "Hey, someone's reaching out again." Uh, we, it happens constantly. So there, there's a lot of solicitation uh, to find proprietary deals because all these uh, lower middle market private equity groups are trying to consolidate every industry you can imagine. And they're, they're chasing buyers and try, or sellers and trying to go direct to them. So we, we, yeah. um, we're, we're sourcing heavily um, and, and relying on our business valuation service. Uh, you know, it's a very important part of our go-to-market strategy as a company, um, and it's our pipeline, um, you know, and, and uh, so what ends up happening uh, with business valuation work is um, we're, we're up to, uh, we'll do over 100 business valuations during this calendar year. About um, 80% of those valuations go into sort of that value building queue. They're not quite ready to go. Um, but the, uh, the remaining, um, well, about 5% of slippage, but about, about 15% of that, um, goes straight into a, a deal that, um, you know, that we're working actively to help facilitate an exit. Um, and so I, I think, you know, uh, that's just been a really big part of, of our deal flow and, um, and, and our focus. Yeah, I've heard it said, uh, you know, 98% or so of business owners don't have a solid understanding of, of their true business value. Just a, it re-shocks me every time I say that. Yeah, I think, I think the SBA put that, that statistic out there and it is astounding, um, you know, and, and very many, many of them um, believe they have a perception of what their business is worth. Um, but when pressed, they've never had a formal business valuation um, maybe, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, and this was more for the cash that they had on hand um, in their cash flow. But, um, you know, maybe a line of credit gave them some sense, but um, they, they truly don't know. And so, um, you know, we get we get quite a few that, believe it or not, are pleasantly surprised. They didn't know that they had created something that valuable. But more often than not, their perceived value is higher than their um, actual market value. You know, still kind of sticking with that, that big picture theme. Here we are, as I said, kind of in the middle of 2022. Uh, I'm not talking to any business owners without, uh, the, the, you know, the, the following topics coming up still again and again, labor issues, inflation, supply mm-hmm. chain. Uh, what, what are you guys hearing uh, from clients, potential clients in those areas as well? I mean, they they continue to be real issues. Uh, supply chain for certain businesses, um, you know, prices are going up, and those businesses need to figure out: can I keep putting price increases through to cover my labor as well as the higher cost of product? And by the way, when is it coming in? So these still remain day to day issues for for owner operators, uh, and in the near term, that's not changing. Yeah, the, the pressure is on basically for pricing their their products. And we're, we're seeing a lot of folks, especially in the trades, uh, going to cost plus quoting. Um, you know, uh, they've got to figure out a way to keep their margins, um, you know, at at prior levels. Um, so inflation in particular has been a, an issue when it comes to that piece of it. And then the supply chain, it just really varies by the business. I mean, I had... Um, a very specialized HVAC company um, I sold this past year, and um, and they were heavily reliant on circuitry from Asian sources, and um, the resulting supply chain was just really causing lots of projects that were on hold, just waiting for materials. Yeah, very good. Hey, Maria, did you have a question for uh, for Rob and Eric? Oh, so many questions. Yeah. So, you know, you, Rob, you said some things, it's very relatable. Uh, and, I, and I'm always trying to pick up on, you know, how we can make this um, um, very understandable content. And you said, we, you know, we, we start with fleshing out the ugly. And Eric talked about um, value building cue. You know, what happens, you know, when you when owners, because owners don't know what they don't know about the value of their business. Um, tell us about the, the diligence process and, and how you get to those risk factors um, that owners are really so unfamiliar with before they talk to you. Sure. So before we take on any engagement, we, we usually set up a, a quick exploratory call and, and we talk and, and I try and flush out, you know, all the value drivers or, or lack thereof. Um, and then if, if they're seriously interested in, in running a process, we spend several weeks doing our own financial diligence uh, and operational diligence on those companies because that's what buyers will do. Uh, we're working on something uh, right now that is a few million dollar deal, but a private equity group came down market for it. Well, they're ordering a quality of earnings report. They're they have three different outside third parties doing diligence on this few million dollar deal. I've added 15 different professionals to the data room to pull information. 
that would be very, very overwhelming to manage for an owner operator trying to go down the path alone. Um, so it, it helps to have an advisor who knows the process and can figure out anything that a buyer is going to figure out ahead of time and, and try and mitigate. Yeah. Eric, Eric, what do you talk, what do you talk about in the value building queue when, once you realize that owners businesses are not ready for market? Yeah. So, um, uh, some of it, um, goes outside to third parties. Some of it we do um, internally. Um, the the valuation work that I described earlier um, naturally leads into a discussion um, about why the company is valued that way. Uh, we happen to use a, a software product that allows um, a comparison to the competitive set uh, for their industry. So they're able to look at whether they're underperforming on par with or overperforming um, the market sector across a number of different um, variables, um, financial variables. And then um, from there, I think just a big part of it is, is having really robust discovery um, up front. It, you know, if they're ready to go to market, it becomes very easy in the sense that um, we have to create um, certain documents. Uh, namely the confidential information memorandum, which is a basically just an extremely thorough overview of the business opportunity. And, um, and that naturally leads to figuring out what's, what's there. I think, I think, you know, one of the key things is, is just being, you know, this isn't the time to, to puff up people's egos. Um, it's not, not the time to insult them either, but it is a time to have a very frank discussion about the state of their company, how they can improve their company, um, and, um, you know, a big, big part of our process, and this keeps our queue warm, uh, in terms of deal flow is, you know, we, we go back and, you know, see if they actually worked on the things that we've talked with them about. And, um, and that's, that would be reflected in, in the updated business valuation that would be performed on their behalf. Yeah. Let's talk about, you know, specifically some of the things that, that come out of the, the due diligence process, you know, what, what are some of the common um, sort of deficits, if you will, that owners have suddenly have to recognize and, and wrestle with? So one thing that um, is customer concentration. So as a percentage of your sales, if one customer is, you know, 30, 40, 50% of, of your overall business, that's a huge perceived risk for buyers. Uh, some won't even look at it. Some might try and do a seller note or an earnout, so you're not going to get all cash at close. Uh, so if a, a business owner is two, three years away from selling, they can work on growing their sales pipeline with other customers to, to you know, reduce that customer concentration. Uh, another value driver is, is the owner running around silly, micromanaging, working 60, 80 hours a week to sell a business for a higher value, that owner has to start working themselves out of a job and maybe hire an additional person um, because a new owner needs to figure out what am I signing up for? How much do I need to work in the business versus grow the business? Um, so there, there's a lot of different things that we look at uh, and we talk to the owners about. And if they have you know, a significant amount of time, they can change those things. Uh, the last thing I'll say is um, for owner-operated businesses, sometimes they use the same CPA for you know 20, 30 years. Uh, 
they might be doing some uh, shenanigans with their financial accounting. And if they have enough time, they can clean that up. Because uh, if a buyer does a quality of earnings report, they're going to beat them up really bad. Yeah. And, and Eric, what, what are some of the primary risk factors you run into? Yeah, I, I think, I, you know, I think that comment on the owners is, is all too common. Um, you know, they tend to um, micromanage and work ex- just extraordinary uh, hours. And um, when I get in there, you know, I'm like, hey, you need to start managing yourself to a 20 to 40 hour work week. Um, and and just use that as a goal, which is uh, usually completely foreign to these people. They have no idea how to even do that. Um, so that that is cause for some pretty robust discussion, um, you know, and it's worth saying. Uh, now, the books, um, you know, the when we used to do really small businesses, um, you know, we had a lot more of an issue with people's personal expenses being um tied up in their business. Not that I don't ever see that now, but it's usually a a relatively small amount with these businesses that are sort of in our sweet spot is sort of five to to $20 million valuations. Um, And, and so we, uh, you know, we don't, we don't run into that as much. What we do run into though is a confidence level. They typically have a decent uh, outside CPA that's going to be doing tax work for them. And, um, and typically have some sort of bookkeeping controlling uh, controller function internally, but almost invariably it's like um, the wife of the business owner, you know, it's the cousin, you know, it's someone, you know, from their church, you know, we get these people that not, not that they're necessarily, uh, you know, terrible, but probably not, uh, you know, hired in a way that would, um, make their books as, as acceptable as possible. I mean, these folks are not practicing gap accounting, um, you know, and so uh, you really need a competent, you know, bookkeeper that's just going to stay on top of it because that's the level of scrutiny it's going to be given when somebody comes in. Yeah. And that really speaks you know, to, I think the key leadership roles in a company, you know, when you are um, in that, in that, um, due diligence process and realizing, you know, is there is there solid leadership? Are are there people? Is there good talent and experience surrounding that owner or partners um, so that they can begin to work themselves out of a out of a role? Yeah, but, I mean, business owners they're typically really good salespeople. You yeah. Know? And and how do they let go of the sales function? You know, and not have it completely relying on their relationships or their yeah. abilities. Um, you know, and so, uh, you know, so you, you, you typically say, Hey, you know, you not only want to hire for, um, the, the issues that you have. So say they had, a um, they needed some operational improvements. Well, you know, that might not be the forte of the business owner, but the really successful, successful business owners are good at hiring people that do something that, that they already do very well themselves but they have to hire somebody else to come in and, and take that burden off. Yeah. And in true XPX style, we always want to understand for our listeners um, when they, when ad- other advisors will know they need you. Um, we can make a lot of assumptions around, you know, is an owner ready to sell? Are they, you know, feeling burned out? Do we, 
Do we, you know, what process do we start first? What would you just say, you know, this is how you know you need us? What are some of those those symptoms or um, conditions? So I, I would just say that, you know, a lot of times we'll get referrals from attorneys or, or wealth advisors and um, their client is thinking about selling, doesn't know anything about the process and just wants to get educated. And we're happy to have those exploratory calls. If, if it's not a great fit, it's not a great fit. Um, or, you know, they're not quite ready. Um, but we we always like to educate and, and help those owners. They're you know, highly successful. They just don't know this world and and kind of the language we speak and and how institutional or sophisticated buyers view the business world. So whenever they start thinking about it, we're we're happy to talk to them, even if it's a few years out, and you know, just keep them in the pipeline and and kind of uh, talk to them every you know six months or so and and follow up. I think knowing that is important um, that, it, you know, it isn't a, a transaction that occurs, but it, there is a relationship inside of that that says, you know, we're going to touch base with you. Uh, you know, we're going to help you and be an advocate, if you will. Um, it, so, and, and in a way you talked, Rob, about, you know, the larger the business, the more sophisticated buyers will take advantage, you know, of owners and um, they need somebody on their side. And I think that's, a, um, you know, the understanding the role you play is important in in realizing how we can collaborate. Uh, absolutely. It's all about collaboration. And, and we also have a deep bench of different referrals um, in our network to bring to the table to help get it closed. So if a buyer's like, hey, you need an indemnity escrow of 10% of the purchase price and it's 10 million. A buyer or a seller's not going to want to keep a million in escrow for a year. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a product called rep and warranty insurance where they can spend, you know, 15 grand and, and not have that escrow, but they don't know what they don't know. And, and we could bring those professionals to the table and, and educate them and say, this might be a different path. Yeah. So Eric, talk about um, the the relationship when a business isn't ready to sell. You know, you do you do so many valuations in a, a given year. Um, what what's the relationship like for you when a business the valuation isn't satisfactory? And and kind of explain your conversation. You talk about being direct and honest and and um, making some recommendations that would help that owner while they um, it, to get ready for for market. Yeah, so these uh, it's it's hard to generalize um, about these conversations because they are so specific to each individual situation. Uh, but just generally speaking, um, it usually goes down um, a a route where uh, where you know they're missing either an outside advisor or internal human resource that that they need. And, um, and, and so that, that's usually, um, you know, the first piece of it. And then the other piece is just the, um, the getting the financial house in order. Um, and that's, that's hit or miss. Um, you know, some, some businesses, the books are pristine, right. Um, and, and some of them need a lot of help. And, and so just talking with them about what that looks like and, you know, getting, getting the right resources in place for them. Um, our, 
to go back to the prior question on on how we work with advisors, I mean, uh, almost almost ninety, I'd say ninety percent of our um, deal sourcing comes from other advisors. Um, it's usually other advisors are um, our past clients. Uh, that's where we seem to get the vast the vast majority um, and um, very little B two B. Marketing, advertising. Um, we're going to look to change that in upcoming years, but um, but right now we're heavily re- relying on advisors, and almost always it is a conversation where an advisor's client um, begins to talk about the potential of selling the company, and then um, we just do a lot of educating advisors on on that valuation piece, so they can give us a uh, a solid introduction. Yeah, and that introduction, um, in terms of timing it um, with business owners who say, I'm burned out, I'm ready, I want to make a change, um, you, you talk about two to three years out, pretty much, I think. Um, is that is that about the same for both of you? Uh, well, s- sometimes business owners are ready, and um, we'll, we'll do our diligence, and, and we'll come up with uh, an opinion of, of value. And if it's within their expectations, we could go to market pretty quick. Um, that has certainly happened a lot this past couple of years. Um, but we we also will court people two to three years out. Like we're hopefully getting engaged on a, a, a larger business in the next couple of weeks. And we've been talking to them for the past two years. So yeah. it, it, it all is deal specific. Yeah, we find we find, you know, in other in, in other professions serving the same market that, you know, we're hearing sort of um, we, we're hearing red flags for a number of years um, at times, you know, with owners are saying, you know, I, I'm just I'm I'm really feeling tired. I'm feeling burned out and, you know, feeling different things. And and and, you know, we're all we're all managing that emotion from our various um areas of expertise. And sometimes, you know, it's just them changing their role for a bit and that helps them kind of shore up how they're spending their time and energy. Other times it's really, they've hit the wall, you know, they've just, they're ready. Um, they're, but, but we have to have the, the intelligent conversation around, is your business ready? You may be ready, but your business may or may not be ready. Um, so I think, you know, that collaboration is, is knowing when, to collaborate, knowing when to bring you in, when to have the first conversation around um, readiness is is um, important for our listeners to realize. Yeah, I, you know what to keep in mind is that if they're ready to go, um, you know M and A uh, from engagement to closing um, is typically um, minimum of six months and and oftentimes nine to twelve. Uh, and so it's it's not a you know once the decision is made it's not like you just flip the switch and sell the business. Um, the other thing to keep in mind though is if there are issues that need to be addressed in a company, that's where you get that two to three year time frame because in order to make a meaningful change in a company, it just it takes it takes a substantial amount of time, focus, and and effort, and um, and and usually you you count that in years, not months. Yeah, I call that I call that reducing buyer objections before any buyer has a chance to raise them. That that's a 
an optimal company, an optimized company to take to market. Uh, we know we're going to get beaten up and, and in, in the world that you guys play in for every sell side client that you take on, you're probably talking with, I don't know, 15, 20, maybe even 30 or 40 even buyers. And so you really are in tune with what buyers have to say about businesses. Some of that stuff is universal. Some of it's industry specific, but um, I've often heard it said that a, a well-optimized company that's always ready to sell is a whole lot more fun <laughs> to sell than, um, than one that, that needs some work. But I, I understand that you, often you guys have to meet business owners where they are uh, if they're ready right now. And here at XPX, you know, we, we push uh, heavily and we try to, you know, have folks understand the importance of collaboration so that we can gain that two to three year window of time and make those changes that optimize the company. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm probably getting into a different topic here, but you know, Eric and I, we both like to do a lot of due diligence on our prospective seller. So that way, when we do create marketing materials, uh, an investor presentation called a SIM, and we proactively find the right buyers for that business, we can really get a, a, generally speaking in this current market, we can get more than the seller is expecting to receive. Uh, so it, it's well worth talking to a good advisor. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've learned so much in this conversation. I think, you know, we, we have a better idea um, of, of sort of internally the M&A processes and, and, and how you collaborate with other advisors. And I think one thing that um, I'll just mention in closing is that you're familiar with both sides, the buy side and the sell side. Right. So you're 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 you understand what buyers are looking for and you understand um, how to help the seller understand that. Right. Know know what those those um, areas are that that sell, that buyers are, are looking at and and what they're going, what's going to attract the right buyer. So that advocacy, that that relationship that you have with the seller is very important to bring both perspectives um, in, to the table. I think that's very helpful for all of our listeners too, is everything you shared with us has been great today. Thank you both so much um, for giving us a great education and insight on the M&A processes. Yeah, Maria. Thank you for having us. Yeah, Maria, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Eric, Rob, you've given us a lot of great information and I can't imagine that folks, uh, there aren't some folks listening that don't want to be in touch. So let's uh, give them directions. Uh, on how they can uh, be in touch with each of you respectively. Eric, you go ahead. Sure. Um, marycap.com is um, our URL. And so they can always go there. All the contact information, not only for myself, but for all the members on the team uh, can be found in the about us section. Um, if for whatever reason, uh, somebody's just writing down, uh, feel free to email or call me at e. T is in Tom, O-G-N-E-R-I at narycap.com. That's E-T-O-G-N-E-R-I at narycap.com. And um, you can always get me on the phone at 678-764-1732. Rob? Great. And we're Ryco Advisors, R-Y-C-O Advisors, A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S. And you can email me at Rob, R-O-B, at Ryco Advisors, R-Y-C-O-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S.com, or call me, 
Eric Tugneri, Neri Capital Partners, Rob Barnston with Ryko Advisors. Gentlemen, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, folks, just uh, another reminder, this uh, show is brought to you by XPX Atlanta. XPX Atlanta is fundamentally changing the trajectory of exit planning services in the southeastern United States. And the values of the organization, including putting the client first, working collaboratively, thinking long-term, considering the human angle, and always be learning are really the key to the success of the organization. So if that's the kind of uh, group that you would like to be associated with, whether you're an advisor or whether you're a uh, company thinking about selling down the road, go to xpxatlanta.org to find out more information. If you'd like past episodes of this show series, you can go to xpxatlantaradio.com or find the show on your favorite podcast app. Maria, Bob, this has been a great one. Thank you so much, John. It has. Very yeah. interesting conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Our guests knocked it out of the park this time. They sure did. And uh, as did our host, Maria and Bob, thanks for the great questions. Folks, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on the Exit Exchange.